You're listening to How They Did It and Why, where we learn from the experiences of others. So today we are talking about science, okay? And um, particularly, we're going to be looking at the life and accomplishments of one female scientist today. We've done that a couple of times here on the podcast and loving it. And we're going to do a lot more of it. And um, her name is Rosalind Franklin. And if you don't know, she made one of the biggest scientific discoveries, basically in our human history. And, you know, I think it's important to note these women who are these incredible scientists and do these amazing things because it empowers us to say, hey, you know, this is great. These women were able to really accomplish these um, really um, amazing things in a time, especially when women were not dominant in that field. And today, women still dominant in the scientific field. There's a ton more in there now, and we're definitely on the right track, but definitely want to be encouraging to women to explore all of the great things that science has to offer to us and encourage everybody to learn more about it. So um, this was actually a requested podcast um, episode from one of my subscribers. And um, he actually mentioned in a live, I just kind of had a question like, you know, what would you guys want to see, you know, an episode on? And I had just done an episode on um, the woman who actually invented the actual x-ray. I'm not going to tell you what her name is so that hopefully you will actually go through um, the podcast episodes or the YouTube videos and take a look and figure out who that woman was because she did some great things as well. And um, I was kind of talking about that in the live. And then he suggested an episode on Rosalind. And so I was happy to do that. And it was great because I had like heard her name before, but I really did not know much about her. So I'm glad that I did because I was able to learn a lot more about her and her accomplishments. And yeah, it's pretty cool. So let's get right into it. Um, First, I just want to kind of talk about like what it is that she actually did. And then I'm going to kind of talk about um, an article too that The Guardian had up that kind of talked about about how she actually dealt with sexism and someone trying to steal her idea, a guy who tried to steal her idea. Guys like to do that even now. Shame, shame, tis, tis. Don't be stealing women's ideas, okay? <laughs> um, anyway, um, a chick could totally do that too, but I'm just being a bit facetious here. But um, okay, so anyway, uh, Rosalind Franklin, okay? She was born Rosalind Elise Franklin on July 25th, 1920. And she died on April 16th, 1958. She was an English chemist and x-ray crystallographer. Crystallographer. I hope I said that correctly. You know, sometimes I mess that up. But anyway, this is like different than x-raying though. This is XRC. And this is an experimental science that... um, is determining the atomic and molecular structure of a crystal in which that structure then kind of causes that beam that gives you the incandescent x-ray, but um, it's used to distract many um, specific directions 
uh, diffract in many different directions by measuring the angles and intensities of the beam. So they do that to like do all different kinds of studies. It's not exactly the same thing as a regular x-ray um, if I'm understanding it correctly, but I could be wrong there. So um, those whose works was central to understanding this uh, molecular structure of DNA so her work was central to understanding the molecular structures of DNA, deoxyribonucleic acid. Okay, um, that one is always such a hard one for me to say. Ugh, I am not the best. But also RNA, which is ribonucleic acid, um, versus coal and graphite. So. Um, Basically, again, she's best known for her work with the X-ray diffraction images of DNA at um, King's College. And she made that discovery, which was the discovery of that double helix. So um, she was basically the first one. Of course, she didn't discover DNA that was already there. But she was the first one to kind of um, capture that image um, of the molecular structure of DNA. So that, of course, is huge. That was a huge discovery that, you know, led to more scientific discoveries and also helped scientists understand um, the keys to a lot of the things with DNA. Um, so that was just huge. Now, um, after finishing her work on DNA, Franklin led the pioneering work at Burbeck on the molecular structure of viruses. So her team member, Aaron King, um, concluded her research or continued it, I should say, excuse me. And then he um, went on to win a Nobel Prize for that in 1982. I want to say that she actually passed away from ovarian cancer. And unfortunately, that is a trend that I have noticed with a lot of these women. There's a lot of women who were actually involved in the early research and study of x and um, they all did end up getting um, these types of cancers. And I believe it's probably because they were so exposed to um, that raw um, uh, X-ray um, radiation. And um, that was way back when X-rays and stuff were first coming out. So they just didn't know. So they really did sacrifice themselves um, for the greater good in this way, although they may not have even been aware of it at the time. Um, yeah, so that was that was unfortunate. But um, so anyway, you know, let's talk about her early childhood from a little for a little bit. So in, in her early childhood, and I do believe that she had like five um, siblings, um, brothers and sisters. But anyway, at the age of six, she joined her brother Roland at this school. And it was a private school in West London called Norland Place School. And um, at that time, her aunt um, described to her husband, Rosalind is alarmingly clever. She spends all her time doing um, arithmetic for pleasure. And, you know, she always gets the sum right. She also does developed an early interest in cricket and hockey. And at the age of nine, she entered a boarding school um, for young ladies in Sussex. And um, she always just kind of did well. And then when she was 11, she went on to this other um, school in London um, where she began studying science at an early age, which was St. Paul. 
skills. She also learned German. She was fluent in French. And um, that was helpful because she did go on to live in France and study um, and do research and all that stuff there for a while. So um, yeah, that, that was really, really something. So now, right now, we are on Britannica.com, and they just have like a nice um, little uh, write-up on her. You know, it says Rosalind Franklin, you know, it gives her when she was born and died again, a British scientist known for her contributions to the discovery of the molecular structure of DNA, a constituent of chromosomes that serves to encode genetic information. Franklin also contributed new insight on the structure of viruses, helping to lay the foundation for the field of structural virology. So she really, you know, with basically what happened was she was able to, with the specialized um, x-ray machine that they were doing, she was able to capture that image of DNA. And then from there, um, everything opened up. And then she was able to go on and use that information to further the investigation of viruses and virology and basically like developed the um, the whole field of virology. So that was a really big accomplishment. Um, so it just talks on some of the things that we um, brought out, but um, let's talk about this. In 1951, Franklin joined the biophysical laboratory at laboratory at King's College in London as a research fellow. There she applied x-ray diffraction methods to the study of DNA. When she began her research at King's College, very little was known about the chemical makeup or structure of DNA. However, she soon discovered the density of DNA and more importantly, established that the molecule existed in a helical conformation. Her work to make clear X-ray patterns of the DNA molecules laid the foundation for James Watson and Francis Cricket to suggest in 1953 that the structure of DNA is a double helix polymer, a spiral consisting of two DNA strands wound around each other. Um, from 1953 to 1958, Franklin worked in the crystallography laboratory at Birkbeck College in London, where there she completed her work on coal and DNA and began a project on the molecular structure of the tobacco mosaic virus. She collaborated on studies showing that the ribonucleic acid RNA and in and that viruses was embedded in its protein rather than in its central cavity and that RNA was a single strand helix rather than a double helix found in the DNA of bacterial viruses and higher organisms. Franklin's involvement in cutting edge DNA research was halted by her untimely death from cancer in 1958. As I mentioned, this often did happen to a lot of people in this particular field because they were um, exposed to lots of radiation. Oh, poor things, you know, they just didn't know. Quite unfortunate. Um, now, there is actually a university um, that is named after her. And um, this, I believe, is in Indiana, I want to say. Let me actually get this right here. Let us see. Um, I'm sorry. It's Illinois. Okay. So um, this is actually in North Chicago, Illinois. And, um, you know, they just say here on their website, a spirit of inquiry. 
um, diligence and academic excellence is what you know characterizes them based on um, Dr. Rosalind Franklin, who in 1952 captured the photograph revealing the structure of DNA. Today, those same traits drive you know them as a college. So I thought that was very nice that, to have this whole um, college named after her, um, and it is of course um, one that is kind of a leader in medicine and science. Um, Rosalind Franklin University, which was established in 1912. So they just have this um, medical, their medical and science um, portion is kind of all like named after her, which is really great. So um, really good stuff, guys, really good stuff. Just amazing woman, you know. Um, now, let me talk about a little bit more here about like what happened um, a little bit earlier in 1941, right when she got her BA. So in 1941, she was awarded a scholarship for a further year of research and a research grant from the Department of Science and Industrial Research. She spent that year in the laboratory of R.G.W. Norwich, a noted pioneer in photochemistry. In 1942, with the war still on, she had to decide whether to be drafted for more traditional war work or pursue a PhD oriented um, research job in a field relevant to wartime needs. So they were drafting um, women at that time who had specialized skills. She chose the latter and began to work with the recently organized British Coal Utilization Research Association um, that summer. So for the next four years, Franklin worked to um, eludicate the microstructures of various coals and carbons and explain why some were more permeable by waters, gases, or solvents, and how heating and carbonization affected permeability. In this original work, she found that pores and coals have fine constructions at the molecular level which increase with heating and, and vary according to the carbon constant of the coal. These acts of molecular sieves successfully blocking penetration and substances according to molecular size, Franklin was the first to identify and measure these microstructures. And this fundamental work made it possible to classify coals and predict their performances to a high degree of accuracy. Her work at BCURA yielded a doctoral thesis and she received her PhD from Cambridge in 1945 and five um, scientific papers. After the war, Franklin began uh, searching for different work and um, you know, she basically, um, her friend had, uh, after the war, Franklin began searching for different work. Um, Adrian Well, which was someone that she knew um, was kind of um, influential and helpful to her, helped her. Um, she had returned to France, and so she helped um, Rosalind get a position in the Jacques Mengs lab um, in Paris. And um, she learned how to analyze carbons using the X-ray uh, crystallography and um, the diffraction analysis there. 
Okay, so becoming very proficient with the technique, her work um, with the detailings of those structures is really what helped her um, to go on and um, understand even more in the coal field that helped coal chemists and um, eventually um, led to her also being able to produce those images of the DM DNA from the X-ray. So um, this was really a turning point. And that's why I wanted to highlight this because in 1941, when she got that scholarship, her being able to stay there and further her research was huge. And there was a lot going on at the time that could have distracted her from doing that. And so the fact that she was able to knuckle down, she didn't get um, involved with the war stuff, that she could have had a really successful career and that as well, but she, saw something that she felt was maybe, you know, more important and um, stayed the course, you know, she just wasn't distracted by what was going on around her. So I think that that was really, really awesome. Now, um, let's talk about kind of some of the controversy, though. Um, and I'm just going to this Guardian article here um, for this portion. So basically, um, so let's see what happens here. It says sexism in science. Did Watson and Cricket really steal Rosalind Franklin's data? The race to uncover the structure of DNA reveals fascinating insights into how Franklin's data was key to the double helix model, but the stealing myth stems from Watson's memoir and attitudes rather than facts. So the wave of protests that followed Sir Tim Hunt's stupid comments about girls and laboratories highlighted many examples of sexism in science. One claim was that during the race to uncover the structure of DNA, Jim Watson and Francis Crick either stole Rosalind's data or forgot to credit her. Neither suggestion is true. In April 1953, the scientific journal Nature published a three- back-to-back -back articles on the structure of DNA, the material our genes are made of. Together, they constituted one of the most important scientific discoveries in history. The first purely theoretical article was written by Watson and Crick from the University of Cambridge. Immediately following this article were two data-rich papers by research from King's College in London, one by Maurice Watkins and two colleagues, and the other by Franklin and PhD student Ray Gosling. So the model the Cambridge duo put forward did not simply describe the DNA molecule as a double helix. It was extremely precise um, it was based on complex measures of angles and formed different chemical bonds, underpinned by some extremely powerful mathematics and based on interpretations that Crick had recently developed as part of his PhD thesis. The historical whodunit and the claims of the data theft turn on the origin of the measurements. The four protagonists would make good characters in a novel. Watson was young, brash, and obsessed with finding the structures of DNA. Crick was brilliant with a Maggie Pipe mind and had the and had struck up a friendship with Watkins, who was shy and defendant. Franklin, an expert in X-ray crystallography, 
had been recruited to King's in late 1950s and Wilkins expected that she would work with him. But the head of King's group, John Randall, led her to believe that she would be independent. Okay, guys. So today we learned that Rosalind Franklin, you know, she really was a key scientist to discovering the kind of more meteor parts of DNA. Like she was key in producing that first really good solid image of of the double helix, which was key. Prior to that, she did a lot of research on coal, which um, was very key and instrumental to other fields of study. Um, And that also gave her kind of the information that she needed to to further the the x-ray and that particular type of x-ray that is key to unlocking some of those smaller types of images. All right, guys. So, wow, Rosalind Franklin, right? Like, I mean, she really pushed forward. She stayed on task. She was able to kind of, you know, go ahead and discover this amazing thing, this image of DNA, which, you know, at that time, you know, they knew about DNA, they knew what it was, but getting that solid image, you know, was really key to just pushing everything forward. And she certainly did that. And, you know, her research was solid. The good thing about her too, was that she was a great mathematician. So um, her research, because she understood science and she had that really good um, background in mathematics as well as well as you know the development of you know with the coal and all the studies that she had done on coal itself all of that was really key to her um, making this discovery it just all came together for her and um, her research was continued although you know she passed away and we have now this whole field because of her studies in RNA of virology so you know really her with the understanding of viruses, the key um, kind of fundamental work that she did way back in the day has pushed scientists forward today and really getting us some great information on how viruses work, how they enter our cells, how, you know, what the RNA interaction is, how it can also, um, if it interacts with DNA or not, and how different they are, what the similarities are. So it's a lot of information. It's very cool. So I'm glad that um, my subscriber um, suggested that I look her up because as I mentioned, I did not have a lot of information on her. So it was good to just kind of learn a little bit about her life and just even from a child, how she was very um, inquisitive and had a just loved learning and was able to do, you know, this math at an early age as well. And like, seemed to just really love it and enjoy it. So um, these are the types of stories and um, interesting life experiences that I think it's good to um, have here on the podcast, because it just shows us, you know, it does not take anything but, you know, kind of answering some of those questions that we have to really discover things and move forward. All right. Thank you so much for listening to How They Did It and Why. Have a great day and I'll see you in the next episode.